Good morning, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast, and I want to thank you for taking the opportunity tonight in tuning in to what God has for you. We welcome you to the show. We believe that it is going to be a very powerful night for you, and so I don't want you to touch that dial, but I want you to remain tuned in so that you can hear a word from God that is going to bless your soul I believe tonight, if you are listening, maybe you tuned in to 103.5 by accident, and you're just driving home right now, and or, or you're, you're sitting at home, or you're going to bed, or you're on your iPad, or wherever you're at, and you just tuned in by accident, don't touch that dial. You don't need to listen to another song that, uh, you, that you've heard a million times before. You need to hear something that is going to bring nourishment to your spirit. There are people tonight, you're listening, you might have just made the worst mistake of your life, or you might be headed to make the worst mistake of your life. And before you do that, or if you have done it already, I want you to hear what God has for you. We are tonight talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to completely change and set your life free We're talking about the Spirit of God that can get a hold of you in whatever situation that you're in and begin to bring forth the new life. And so right now, in Jesus' name, friend, wherever you're at, I call new life into you. And I believe God is going to find you, and He's going to touch you, and He's going to make you a new person as you listen to this broadcast tonight as we go forward in what God has for us. And so if you're listening, you need deliverance from something. If you're here listening to this broadcast and you need healing in your body, or maybe you need strength, or maybe you need, uh, there's there's someone I just heard the Spirit of God say, you're listening tonight, you lost a loved one. You're overwhelmed with grief. You're overwhelmed with sorrow because this person was so close to you. The Bible says, friend, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, that we do not have a God that cannot be touched or is unfamiliar with the feelings of our sadnesses and our sorrows and our weaknesses. And so God knows what you're going through, friend, and he wants to help you tonight. And so I'm on the radio, and I want to give to you some things that can minister to you. And we believe and know that if you'll continue listening and join with us as we pray for you, you can receive healing in your body, you can receive deliverance, you can receive whatever you need to set you free as we begin to move forward into what God has for you in Jesus' name. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, is there a way that we can continue to listen to your broadcast after the show is over, if you're not staying up late at night and getting these broadcasts? And there is. If you go to iTunes and you download uh, On the Road with Chris Palmer podcast, you'll be able to find all of these broadcasts archived uh, from the moment we started our radio show back in November. It's On the Road with Chris Palmer, and there's even uh, some uh, sermons I put on there from some of the different places that I go and I preach, and so they'll be a blessing for you, and they're free, free teaching for you to lift you up and edify you. We want to remind you that we are a listener-supported broadcast, so if the broadcast has been a blessing to you, if you've received your healing, you've received deliverance, or you've received the fire and power of God from listening to this broadcast, Number one, we encourage you to send your testimony in, and we can read them over the air. It's info at chrispalmerministries.com. People Facebook me a lot, and they give me their testimonies. You can look up Chris Palmer Ministries on Facebook or Chris Palmer. They tell me their testimonies, what God is doing through them. People 
say we listen to your broadcast and we go out and we pray for the sick and sick people get healed. You know, I'm getting around people and the fire of God that's on my life is starting to manifest starting to lead people to Jesus. I'm starting to see my Christian walk become more effective. That's the point of this broadcast is not just to reach the lost. We want to reach people that are lost and we want to reach people that are hurting. But more than just that, we desire to mature Christians into the full essence of what Jesus Christ has called them to be and what he said they could reach in him. So we want to see Christians begin to operate and flow in the different respective offices and gifts that God has designed them to have. One of the greatest needs that I see in my life when I travel and preach in the body of Christ is that there are a lot of Christians sitting on the sidelines. And what I mean by that is the sidelines is, I don't mean the sidelines being that they're not active in their churches or, you know, part of the Christmas play or the Easter production. That's not what I mean. I mean they haven't stepped into the fullness of what Jesus has for them through miracles, signs, and wonders. They've never led a soul to Jesus. They're not actively leading souls to Jesus. They don't know how to pray for sick people and see them healed. And they don't have somebody that they're sitting under in ministry that knows anything about that. Well, this broadcast has been shown, given, and, and is on the air to teach you how to walk in God's supernatural power and see miracles and signs following the gospel of Jesus Christ as you preach it with boldness. And so if you have a testimony, we want you to write it in. We'll be happy to read it. Or if you want to make a financial contribution, you can do that by writing us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390, or visiting our website, chrispalmerministries.com. So let me pray tonight as we open up our broadcast. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person listening. I pray that the power and the anointing of your Son, Jesus Christ, would rest upon each believer that's listening. Father, we pray that the anointing of your Spirit minister to people now. Pray for people that are in their cars, people that are at home, people that are sitting in their iPads, people that are listening in by computer. Right now, I pray wherever they're at that the power of God would touch them. I pray, Father, for discouragement. I break it off people right now in Jesus' name. I come against oppression and oppression and confusion and people that are bent up with the lies of the devil. I break the power of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. And I pray you give to each person the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand and go deep into everything Jesus said that they could have. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been talking on this radio show for the last couple weeks about the Holy Ghost. Last week we had evangelist Mary Froston. We were talking about the Spirit of God. We were talking about miracles and signs and wonders and things that God has done in and through her ministry. And usually after a broadcast like that, people always say, how can I begin to operate and flow in miracles? Is it possible for me as a child of God to begin to step into the supernatural walk that God has for me? Now listen. You may have just been born again at a church. You may be even listening tonight and you're not even saved yet. Well, we believe you're going to get saved by the end of this show by giving your life to Jesus. But no matter where you're at in life, even tonight if you've committed a sin that has driven you out of the presence of God, I want to encourage you and let you know, friend, that we're living in a dispensation of grace where God's arms are open. Yes, sin is wrong and sin will destroy you and it will, it will banish you from his presence. But God is loving and he's merciful. The Bible says that he's slow to anger and he wants you to receive his love tonight and come back 
And, you know, people say to me all the time, they say, well, I've sinned. Well, yeah, I know you've sinned. But God desires not just to beat you over the head with a book and smack you around with it so hard until you're blue in the face and can't sit down because, you know, he has hurt you so bad. And as as, as I remember when my dad used to spank me when I was a kid, I wouldn't be able to sit down afterwards, what it taught me. But God's not interested in, 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 in just chastising you. Because every time after my dad would give me a spanking, he'd always hug me. And that would never change my position as his child. I have news for you tonight, friend, that even though you may have sinned and done something, God is not trying to evoke you out of his presence. He wants you in his presence. He wants you to be next to him. And more than just beating you over the head, God is interested in getting to you help and getting to you the spirit of God so that you can overcome whatever mess that you're in. God knows that your only way out is him. And so he's interested not in chastising you and grabbing you by the collar and setting you straight. God is interested in you getting a hold of him. And so tonight I want to show you how to do that. So wherever you're at, I want you to say this with me. Say, I can operate in the supernatural power of Almighty God. Say it with me. Say, I can operate in God's authority and in God's power. Some people say, well, Chris... Palmer, how do you have the audacity to make a statement like that and say something like that? Well, I only say it because Jesus is the one that said it first. He told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, and actually in Luke chapter 24, we've been talking about this. He said, uh, wait until you be endued with power from on high. That's the inception of the New Testament church. And then he said, but you will receive power. This is Acts 1.8. The word their power is not talking about a nebulous thing. The word their power is talking about a dunamis dynamite power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We've already seen that the Spirit of God is not a thing. It is not an it. It is not a uh, ghost-like material that has no tangibility or no substance to it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he desires to have union with you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Bible says you'll be witnesses in both me and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the earth. You can, wherever you're at tonight, say, Holy Spirit of God, I need power. Holy Spirit of God, I need fire. Come upon me right now in the name of Jesus and touch me. And if you pray that prayer out of your heart and you mean it, friend, and you really desire a touch from the Holy Ghost, I have news for you. That Spirit of God is going to come upon you and fill you to the full until there's fire coming out of your spirit. You see, <clears throat> we cannot live and be satisfied with a walk of Christianity that is not on fire. It is not enough just to walk as half-hearted Christians or Christians that just want to be in right standing with God, and that's it. God is calling. He is commissioning. He is raising up an army of people that are full of not just knowledge and information, but full of presence and full of power. There's preachers today, and all they want to talk about and teach is information and give you lecture after lecture. I remember I went to two different colleges before I graduated, and both of them taught the Bible before I got my bachelor's degree. And it was a lot of information. It was a lot of going through the word meticulously and tediously. But there was no power. And what God wants to do, friend, 
It wants to fill you with power. He wants everybody that preaches the name of Jesus to validate and demonstrate that gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that my preaching and teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, there were better speakers. There were better orators. But he said that my speaking and my preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. And so today when you're listening to someone preach, you should say, show me the power. Where is the power of God in this preaching? You know, sometimes people teach on healing, but they don't know how to work in healing. That's like going to a class where they teach you how to fly airplanes. And the, the lecturer sits in class and he spends, I don't know, 50 hours before the first flight teaching you how to fly a plane. He says, this is what you need to do. Pop the throttle, hit the, hit the clutch, do this, do that, adjust this gear this way, adjust this gear that way, take on off. And so you listen and you pay attention, you pass the, the oral examination, you pass the written test, and then it comes time to fly and your professor tells you, well, you need to find somebody that can fly an airplane. Because I don't know anything about flying an airplane. I just know how to teach flying an airplane. Well, what good would that instructor be? He taught you how to fly an airplane, but he doesn't know how to fly an airplane. That's not enough just to teach on healing and not be able to manifest healing. If you're going to teach on healing, if you're going to teach on the gifts and the demonstration of the Spirit, there should be something about you that have had some experience in this. But here's the good news. Wherever you're at, Christian, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are. I just feel someone is sitting at home as I'm talking, and you're saying, I'm just I'm, I'm too old to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. No, you're not. There's no age limit on it. All you need to do is believe. Tonight I want to show you how you can step in to God's supernatural power through the power of the Holy Ghost. Number one, understand this. If you're writing notes tonight, if you're keeping notes, or if you're just listening, write this down. That the minute that you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you receive the greatest power in the whole entire universe. There is no greater power than the Holy Spirit. You have accessed the highest intelligence available to man. It's not at Harvard or Yale. It's not at Stanford. It is in the power of the Spirit of God. And not only have you accessed the highest intelligence, you've accessed a power that can heal the sick, that can raise the dead, that can help you cast out a devil. And in regards to this power, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, how is it that we can work the works of God? Jesus turned to his disciples in John 6 and he said, He that believes... All you need to do, friend, to work the work of God is believe. Now, I know that that sounds elementary. I know it sounds different. I know it sounds unique. But really and truly, friend, the only thing that you have to do to start operating in God's power is just take God at his word. Some say, well, I thought you had to fast 40 days. Don't you teach Reverend Palmer that praying in the Holy Ghost will get you there? Don't you teach that worship will get you there? Don't you teach that meditating... The Word of God is going to get you there. Don't you teach that spending time around other believers that know the power of God? Yes, all of that are tools and means to get you to the end. But really, the end that all those things, praying in tongues and worshiping and meditating the Word, all those things are going to do is help your believing. If you could just believe, then a lot of these things wouldn't be 
it wouldn't be as necessary for you to be intense about these things if you just could st- in, enter into belief. But belief is what call it really what is faith causes the kingdom of God to operate. And when, when there's a law in our faith or when we can't believe the way or, or we're dealing with some type of spirit of unbelief, we put these things and we practice these things and keep them in motion because there's a difficulty for us to step into believing because there's a side in our flesh that wants to doubt a lot of times. And so we'll be talking about dealing with doubt and unbelief later. Sometimes unbelief is simply a human thing. Sometimes it's a spirit and you have to break the power of that unbelief that keeps you from seeing Jesus and all that he is. But the Holy Spirit has been given to every believer. We were talking about a couple weeks ago how everybody is born again and becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus. Everybody born again receives a spirit that's reconciled unto God. Your new man becomes reconciled according to Romans chapter 7. It's no longer married. Your old man is no longer married to the law. That old man has died. And because the old man died, your relationship to the law and the, conde- the condemnation that the law brings is dead because death cancels the marriage vow. And you receive a new man that's not married to the law and not married to unrighteousness, and you're married to Jesus. And because you're married to Jesus, there is no condemnation that can raise its voice up and begin to tell you that you're not good enough. And because of that, no or nothing that the law says, nothing that people say can condemn you because, friend, you are in Jesus and all judgment has been given to him because he's the one that has declared you righteous because he's the one that died for you and gave you righteousness. And because he gave you righteousness, only he can say if you're unrighteous or you're unrighteous. And if you're in him and you're in faith and you have the faith of Abraham, I got news for you. You are righteous and nothing this side of life can tell you otherwise. And guess what? That qualifies you to receive the promise of the Father, and that is the Holy Spirit. Now, write this down if you're taking notes, and I want to say this to you. That while we are on the earth, a lot of times people, and if you're listening and you don't know Jesus, I want you to remember this. That we spend the majority of our time running the rat race. We go out and we work nine to five come home, enjoy our night, relax, eat dinner, wake up the next morning, do it all over again. And then we look and live for the weekends where we don't have to be up. But Sunday comes around, you get the Sunday blues. Everything starts going down because you know you have to wake up again and go to work on Monday. That's how it is for most people. And if they live that way, they're eventually going to become depressed. And that's because... If that's all people know, all they know is their earthly vocation. And by earthly vocation, I mean the thing that you are doing or using to support the greater purpose in your life, and that is your eternal responsibility. Your earthly vocation could be a doctor. You might be a piano teacher. It's very possible that you teach elementary students. You might be a minister, pastor. You might work as a nurse. You might have a small business. You might be a businessman. You might answer phones. You might be a garbage man. You might work at a gas station. I don't know. But that's your earthly vocation. That is used to help you live this life, to make financial, make, make money and finances, to support your life, to support your family. But it really goes to supporting something greater, and that is your eternal responsibility. Well, what's my eternal responsibility, Brother Palmer? Well, are you in Christ? Yes. Are you born of Him? 
Yes. Are you washed with the water of the word? Yes. Then your responsibility, according to Second Corinthians chapter uh, 5, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 5, is that you're to reconcile the world unto God. That is why you are still here, is to bring people a knowledge of Jesus. <clears throat> you know, I spend a lot of time with believers talking to them every day. And just about every week I'm having an appointment or out to lunch or doing something with another believer. And they all have different stories. And one of the things I find is believers that are not satisfied with their lives is growing and becoming more ever-increasing than it has, I guess, in the past. And the reason is, is because the gospel is not a selfish gospel. There have been teachers that have come into the church that have taught us that, without saying it, but what they, in their teaching they say it, is that we're supposed to live for ourselves. And that's not true. God's very concerned with you as a believer, of course. God doesn't want you to be broke. I'm not on that bandwagon. Uh, God doesn't want you to sell all your stuff and give it to the poor. People write books about that, and that's not what Jesus meant when he said that. And I find it funny that when people write books and say, well, we better sell all of our stuff and give it to the poor, the people writing the books don't even do that. I mean, if you ever written a book, you would know how much money it costs to write a book. And those people that say that, they're not giving up all their stuff, but they're telling everybody else to. That's not what Jesus meant when he said that. Maybe we'll talk about that another night on this broadcast. So he doesn't want you to be broke. Matter of fact, God wants you to be prosperous even as your soul prospers. He wants you to have finances in your hands. You know, let me just take a trail here and say this. People that don't want money and don't want finances. And I know someone says, oh, I was hoping that Reverend Palmer was different from those preachers out there that are preaching prosperity. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not excessive, and I don't believe in extravagance. I don't believe in uh, gross opulence, okay? But I don't believe that you should live below the poverty line either. That's not what God desires. Oh, well, Brother Palmer, what about the apostles? Let me tell you something. Acts was 28 chapters long. When you see persecution in Acts, you are looking at different objects of persecution, different instances of persecution over 20 years of time. What do you think believers were doing in this 20 years of time when the foundation of the church began? Do you think they were all eaten out of trash cans? Think that they were all living in caves and were all being stoned? No. They had families. They went about with commerce, sales. They, some of them were basket weavers. They were stitchers and carpenters. They all lived a life. Paul tells the church at Thessalonica that he that doesn't work doesn't eat because when you work, you're making money. And they were collecting and accumulating wealth, building the church of God up. When people come along and they say, well, you know, I don't want money. I don't want money. Don't give me money, God. Don't give me money. Here's the thing. They are trying to deal with what's inside of them that they know is gross and they know is disgusting and they know is wicked. 
They're trying to deal with that by keeping money out of their hands because they know if they get money in their hands, it is going to turn them to be proud. It's going to turn them to be greedy. It's going to turn them to be uh, self-important. And it's going to turn them to live lavishly. But not getting money is not the way to deal with that. The way, the problem is not the money. The problem is that thing inside of that person that when they got the money would begin to turn them to become evil and begin to turn them to take that money and build a life of opulence and build a life of lavish and excessive living. The way to deal with it is not to refuse money because somebody else might be able to get that money and do massive things for the kingdom of God. So if the person has that thing inside of them, denying finances is not the, is not, is not the solution. The solution is to target the real problem inside of that person, which is that thing that would cause them to abuse that money and to employ the Holy Spirit in their life so that the Spirit of God could come along and completely eradicate and destroy that thing and get them to a place where if He gave them thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, they could use it not for their greater gain, but to advance the kingdom of God. That's what God's <clears throat> excuse me, desire is for people, is to purge people. Yes, but brother, we're all sinners. No, you're not. You know, one time I was with, <clears throat> I just had a successful campaign, just ministered a service that went exceedingly good. And a uh, sister decided she wanted to challenge my doctrine. And so she told me, you know, Chris Palmer, I just think that you're dangerous. I said, why? And she said, because I heard you say that we're not sinners anymore. I said, I, that's exactly what I said. I hope... You wrote it down in your notepad. And she said, well, that's just not right. That's just not right. I went and told my pastor about you. I said, okay, well, I hope he calls me. And later she found out that her pastor was saying the same thing. And I put a challenge out there. And I said, I want you to open up the book of Romans and find one place where it says that we're a sinner. And, of course, she goes to the third chapter and the 23rd verse, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And I said to her, read the next verse. Being means being as we are now. Being, being as we are right now. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We've been justified, friend. The point of Paul saying that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God was to let everybody know that if we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory, then bless God, we all can receive Jesus by faith and all step into his righteousness. That means that nobody in the world is left unexcused. If we've all sinned, then it's possible we can all become righteous and get it all back through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that's what God wants for you tonight. You're not a sinner, friend. You're born again, and you now have the ability to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And so stop with the foolish talk. Stop with the religious talk and put on Jesus and clothe yourself with the garment of righteousness and start to learn what that righteous man can have in Jesus. That is the first step to stepping into the supernatural is to recognize your identity. There's a popular teaching that we need to die daily and Kill the old man daily. Let me tell you something. Paul said the old man was crucified with Jesus. That old man is gone. It is dead. It is, it is 
that old man refers to your old nature. And when you receive Jesus by faith, that old nature goes down in baptism. And the new nature and the new man is risen with God through faith in his work. What do you mean we need to crucify ourselves daily? That means that your job is to get the Holy Spirit in your life and allow the Spirit of God to launch a, launch a process of seeing who Jesus is so you can go from glory to glory to glory. This all works by revelation knowledge. And so you're not fighting against yourself. You are desiring to step past ignorance that you now have because of imperfection in your flesh. I hope that's making sense. I'm not... Trying to sit here on the radio and yell and scream at you all night. But I want you to begin the process of stepping in. Preaching sin and preaching that you better be holy and you better be holy. And if you sin, you're going to go to hell. And if you go to hell because you're sinners. And that has not gotten anybody anywhere. It's only scared them. Do I believe in hell? Yes. Don't write me emails. And say, well, Brother Palmer doesn't believe in hell. I believe in hell, and I believe people are going there today. And I believe people just went there from the time I started my broadcast, those that were outside of Jesus. And I believe hell is hotter than it's ever been. And it's swallowing up more people than it's ever swallowed up. But to keep people in faith and walking their salvation, that's where you need the Holy Ghost. And preaching people the walk of the Spirit and how to get the Spirit of God to give them, get them past everything that they are and into everything that Jesus said that they could be. They need that Spirit. And the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit's job is not just power and miracles and signs and wonders. His job is to help you, believer, to begin to fortify yourself and to come up against that thing that is causing you to fail. He can do it for you, friend. And so, I want to encourage you tonight that if you're not in Jesus, you can get into Him right now. If you're not in Christ, it was a, <clears throat> a couple of Fridays ago, I was home, I wasn't traveling, and I fell asleep on the couch. I woke up, and uh, it was about 6.30 in the morning. I went upstairs, and I went, got into my bed for a couple of extra hours of sleep. And I started thinking about hell. And I don't know why, I just did. And I started thinking, it, it's those quiet hours that God can really begin to talk to you. And and I began to really, because sometimes as believers, we're in, we're in Christ, we don't, hell is not the thing that's really on our mind, because we're not going there. But it became a reality, and my heart got burdened. I thought, people are going there every day. Can you imagine the minute that this body gives out, whether it's through accident, whether it's through a sudden disease or sickness, that this body wears away and your spirit slips out of it and has to go somewhere. And because there's no authority in the spirit realm, because we're, we're legislated that way, an angel comes and either escorts you to heaven or escorts you to hell. And it escorts you to hell because you're not reconciled to God. Friend, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you, loves you, and wants you to be in His presence forever. And I just feel led to do this right now. I know we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about uh, His administration. And, but I want to pray with you tonight because I sense that somebody wants to give their heart to Jesus. You want to receive righteousness. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, that nothing, no thing, not death or life, not devils, 
not man, not condemnation, can keep me from your love. Come into my heart, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you died, rose again, and that you live for me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision, I want you to email me, info at chrispalmerministries.com. I want you to write me, and I want you to tell me about your decision in Christ. And I'll get back to you personally, friend, and I'll pray with you and give you some churches that you can go to in the area that will be a blessing to you. And so if you're listening tonight, uh, like I said before, hell is not what is on our minds as believers. Which should be, you know, there was one pastor that I was talking to one time, and uh, we were having a friendly conversation. And he said to me, we were saying, if, if, if Jesus had the opportunity to preach one message today, if, if he came back in his flesh and appeared to man and stood upon a stadium, and you had all the television cameras broadcasting out him out, you had all the different media sources and social media sharing what he was about to speak. What, what would his message be on? And it's an interesting question you could ask a lot of people. And I'm sure some would say forgiveness. Others would say love. Others would say whatever they believe was pertainable and could justify whatever social position they believed and deemed important. This particular pastor said, well, he would say repent. He would tell everybody repent. And his argument was uh, his message to the seven churches in Asia in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And I kindly disagreed and says, no, I don't believe that's what Jesus' message would be. I believe Jesus' message would be the same message that he told the disciples when they started the foundation of the church. And that is, be ye filled with the Spirit. And I told him that if the churches could repent... The churches would fall right back into the thing they repented for in, in, in Revelation 2 and 3 if they didn't have the help of the Holy Spirit. Jude said something that's very interesting. Uh, I do have a teaching on Jude available on iTunes, just one hour teaching. Jude is one of the most phenomenal books in the New Testament because it is so heavily inspired. And when Jude wrote this book, he was under a tremendous burden and it had to have been not just a tremendous burden, but it was a very quick burden. Because when this burden came upon him, you'll notice, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was given to the saints. It's like suddenly Jude is writing this book and the Spirit of God comes upon Jude and shifts that it's not. this is not to be a book about common salvation this is going to be a, a a divine inspired epistle that wasn't in your mind when you sat down to write it and when you picked up your quill and put it on the parchment the spirit of god started changing his message and he begins to talk about apostates and apostasy in that day and i say acts is the book act, the book of acts is the acts of the apostles well the book of jude is the acts of the apostates and he gets into talking about these people that started off knowing Jesus and they had become clouds without water. They had become, uh, he says that they're clouds without water. He says that they're trees that are, the fruit that is withered, they're twice dead and plucked up by the roots. That means a tree that's been dug up and thrown off, burned up. And he says that they're, they're waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. They're wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackest of darkness forever. How did they become like this? 
What was the key? What would you tell somebody like that? Repent? They're not going to listen to you. And even if they did repent, it might just be lip service. Jude says the reason like they're like that, in verse 19 it says, These be they who separate themselves, having not the Spirit. They had walked away from the cooperation of the Holy Ghost. And their ministries were no longer supernaturally empowered by Him. Their ministries had become pointless. Their ministries had become dry because they did not have the help of the Holy Ghost. We're going to talk about the help of the Spirit. When we come back, we want you to stay tuned. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the help of the Holy Spirit and how you can put it and apply it to your life. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. Thank you for staying tuned in, friend. God has a plan for you tonight. He wants to touch you. If you need deliverance, if you need supernatural healing, God is ready to bring it towards you and for you tonight. Listen, you are qualified to receive the fullness of the Spirit. You are qualified to receive a great touch from God tonight. You don't have to be great. The old saying is you don't have to clean yourself and go up to God. God will. You go to God and he'll clean you up. That's how he wants to do for you tonight, friend. But listen, when God cleans you up, it doesn't just take... You know, a Clorox bleach wipe and just wipe you with it. He puts his Holy Ghost and he puts his power and he puts his spirit upon you and he divinely empowers you. The Holy Spirit is a tangible reality. The spirit of God can be felt. The Spirit of God can be known. The Spirit of God can be understood. And the Spirit of God wants to get a hold of you. And his job is to locate the reason why you keep failing and destroy that thing. Just completely destroy it. Like playing the game Battleship. That whole game is about locating and destroying. You locate that person. Find out where their battleship is. Find out where their submarine is. And just keep on putting the pressure on until they tell you you've sunk it. Well, <clears throat> that's the Holy Spirit's job. He finds that thing in your life that's destructive. He finds that destroyer in your life. And he targets it. And he sends forth the thing that's needed to eradicate it. And you say, well, Brother Palmer. How does this have to do with anything that has to do with the supernatural ministry? Well, let me share my experience with you. Is that one of the greatest things that keep people out of a supernatural ministry is what I call Mr. Unbelief. Unbelief is the greatest killer inside of the church. Unbelief is the reason why you can't receive the miracle or the anointing or the power for service that you have been asking God for. That's unbelief. I was recently somewhere, I won't say where, but I was somewhere in public and I ran into somebody and the anointing of God came upon my life. And I was praying for somebody who had a serious medical issue. I mean, it was serious. We were right there in public. And before I saw this person, before I ran into them, I felt a touch of the anointing come over me. And it was just sudden. Suddenly I was walking there and I just felt the Spirit of God come on me. I felt like I wanted to lay hands and pray for somebody. And it's an actual feeling. You can feel it. It's an unction. It's an anointing. You feel empowered to do something. And 
I said, my God, I feel like praying for somebody right now. Well, then I took about maybe 200 more steps, and someone called my name. said, Chris, 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 Chris. I look over, and there is this person I know. And I went over to this person, and they started telling me how since the last time I had seen him, which was a couple of years, they had gotten sick, and you could see it. You could see sickness on them. And I went to pray for this person, and we were in the middle of public. I said, I'm going to pray for you, and I laid hands on him right there. I don't see – I don't care what people think. I do not care what the world thinks. The world is – you say, you mean you laid hands on him and where you were at and just started praying? I said, yep. That's exactly what I did. I put my hand right where the area in their life was. And their body that was sick, and I prayed for that person <clears throat> just like I would pray for them if they had answered an altar call at church. And I didn't pray any quieter either. You say, well, people think you're crazy. The world is crazy. The world is mad. The world is upset. The world has lost their common sense, the way they're trying to redefine marriage, the way that they allow people to just destroy and abort the life that's inside. The world has gone absolutely haywire. Now, I don't mind praying for somebody in a mall and believing God for their healing. And when I went to lay hands on this person, the power of God came upon me, but I felt that there was some type of unbelief inside the person that I was praying for. You just can tell. And I didn't condemn that person. But <clears throat> I believe that person came away with a touch from God. But unbelief. See, there is nothing There is nothing that can get between what God has for you. No demon in hell has that power or authority. And the devil knows he doesn't have the power to stand between you and God and stop what God wants to get to you. He does not have that power. He is under your feet. And you stand direct face to face with the Godhead. You are in the most holy place. And that is because of Jesus. Listen, spiritual warfare that you talk about is really how you perceive things. What is that supposed to mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means this. All spiritual warfare, we picture it that there's demons that are intercepting the blessings that God has for us and they're, they're carrying them away. That's not it. Devils don't have that power. The devil is not out there intercepting your blessings. The devil knows he can't touch what God has sent. It's like this. God is the mailman. He has a package that he wants to deliver to your house. And he's going to come by and put that package in the mail. And, you know, if you mess with the mail, you're going to prison. You go and try and take somebody's mail out of their mailbox and you get caught doing that. That's a federal crime and you're going to, you're going to be treated as a felon. Well, that's the same thing. The devil knows he can't go to your mailbox and take the package that God put in there and get away with it. He can't do that. You know what the devil can do? He can blind you from knowing where your mailbox is or blind you from believing that God ever put something in there. He can go to your house, knock on the door, let you can let him in, and he can start telling you, oh, there's nothing in the mailbox. No, don't check it. No, he's not coming by with that package. He's not coming by. He's, he, why would he bring you that? Didn't you see what you just did last week? Why would you do that? That is the devil's job to do that. And he gets you by blinding your mind to the truth that's in the Word of God. So what is the Holy Spirit's job? The Holy Spirit's job is to bring to you wisdom and revelation, knowledge, so that you can see that it's the devil that's lying to you. You can see that it's a pseudo-spirit. It's a false demon that's telling you these lies. And you can get up and go outside and check your mail and receive the thing that God has for you. This, that is God's desire, and that's the Holy Spirit's job. He is your helper, and that is how he helps your un. Belief is by doing that. And unbelief is the greatest 
killer to the supernatural walk with God. I remember when I first started operating in the power of God, I had to deal, as I was sharing with you in just a little bit, I had to deal with this demon of unbelief that would shade my mind and get me to think that God didn't want to use me. Now I remember I, I shared this story a lot. People that have heard me preach before have heard me tell this story. I like to use it because I think it's a powerful illustration. It just, it just you can relate. I was preaching somewhere, and um, <clears throat> I was getting ready to close the service. And God was blessing people, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't, you know, a all-star move of God. It was, you know, a few people were being touched. And I sensed by the Spirit that Jesus walked into the place. Now, I didn't see him. I didn't see him with my physical eyes, but I knew he was there. I just knew by the Spirit. People always say, well, how do you know? I knew. How do you know your name is your name? You just know. And I made an announcement, and I said, <clears throat> I said that the healer is here. Dr. Jesus has just walked in, and people started getting healed. It was un. It was awesome. People getting healed from scoliosis. People getting healed from pain in their body. Just those were a couple I remember. But it was a lot of people healed. 10, 12, 15. And at the end of the service, a woman came up. And she could not see out of her left eye. And I said to myself, inside my heart, why does this woman have to come up and be the last person to come up? Because... I have never seen a blind eye open in my service. I've never seen someone with the inability to see out of their eye. I've never seen that happen. I feel the power of God now. Someone, you're listening. I just want to prophesy to you. You have a miracle ministry. God wants to use you to open up blind eyes. He's going to start doing that in your life if you just believe. And I believe the anointing is coming upon you in such a strong way. It's going to start helping you. And so I said, well, sister, come here. And she was elderly, and I put my hand over her eye, and I simply said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to open. Well, the, the eye didn't open. It was still an issue with it. And I was now getting frustrated because I thought, now this is just great. This service is going to end like this on a bad note. And people are going to say, well, all these people get healed, but this person with a blind eye didn't get healed. Why couldn't God do that? And I'm going to have to answer for it. Or if they don't, they're probably not going to tell that to me. But they're at least going to be thinking it. Now my pride was in the way. And the Spirit of God started working on my unbelief. And then I felt the anointing of God come over me, and I got oil, and I laid it, put it in my hands, and laid hands on her again. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this eye to open. And nothing happened. That's twice. And the whole church is watching. Now I feel under pressure. Because if I'm going to do it one more time, I've tried it twice. What's to say a third time is not is going to work? So... I said, I need you to come here, sister. So she came closer, and I took my hand, and I put it on her eye. And when the music was playing, I looked up to heaven, and in my heart I said, God, you cannot fail me. You cannot fail me. You cannot fail me, God. Do this for this woman. I, I have her up here. I'm being bold. I'm telling people that you're going to heal her. You've got to heal this woman. You've got to heal this woman. I know, and in my, I'm saying this to God because I know that He wants to heal her. I, I know He wanted to heal her, but there was a disconnect. And then I heard the voice of God so clearly. He said, "Don't you give 
up. I'm teaching you persevering in prayer. And then he gave me instructions. He said, I want you to kiss her eye. <clears throat> now I asked her permission. I said, Sister, the Holy Spirit has told me that he needs me to kiss your eye. Now people, you're listening to the radio, think I'm crazy and you think I'm funny. I'm, this is what the Spirit of God said. You can ask people that were there. And so I said, can I kiss your eye? And she said, yes, you can. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be awkward, but I'm going to do what I saw the Spirit of God tell me to do. So she had her hands raised. This woman was in her 70s. And I just gave her a quick kiss on the eye. And the minute I kissed her eye, I said, now close your good eye. I said, and I want, and I took all these steps back where she couldn't see. And I said, how many fingers am I holding up? This woman started crying. And immediately knelt on her knees before Almighty God because God had completely opened up that eye. First time I ever saw that happen. I had to pray for the woman three times and kiss her eye. It was a lot of work. and But God did it. And seeing God do that miracle took my faith to another level to where I ended up seeing it again. Shortly, not long after that. Well, I say that to tell you that... The Spirit of God is doing everything He knows to do in and through you to help you at the point where you're at deal with the one thing that is going to stop your progress as a supernatural believer, and that is the spirit of unbelief. When Peter got full of the Holy Ghost, Jesus, of course, Jesus says, you know, wait in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. What he was telling the disciples is he was telling them that you need the Spirit of God because right now in you as you are, there is unbelief. And if you don't receive the Spirit of God, that unbelief is going to trip you up. And now, especially since I'm gone and since I have left... You're not going to have me look at and demonstrate things for you. You need his help to start dealing with that. And they got the Holy Ghost. And right after they got the Spirit of God, the same Peter that denied Jesus, the same Peter that maybe 50 or 60 days before that was out there uh, disbanding Jesus and walking away from him, he's the, the one that had a hard time understanding the Scriptures. That Peter was the one that stood up <clears throat> and gave Two different sermons at two different times, 3,000 are saved, 2,000 are saved, and started the foundation of the church. And when he gives his sermon in Acts chapter 2, right after getting, when they said these, are, these men are drunk uh, on, on wine, Peter stands up and he says, no, these men are not drunk. It's only uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He says, uh, or a couple, not 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but you, you, it's just too early in the day for these people to be drunk. Then he gives, he stands up and says, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs be that the Holy Spirit of God, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas. And from that point forward, he goes all the way down, and he gives, uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, one of the greatest sermons that has to do with the Old Testament and the Word of God. Things that he didn't understand prior to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then he tells them in the 38th verse of Acts chapter 2 that they should repent and they'll receive the Holy Ghost. And then after that, you see that these people were saved. They were born again. They got into the kingdom of God, 3,000 to be exact, and the church started. What happened to Peter? Peter's 
unbelief that he had before he received the Holy Ghost dissipated. And now he was stepping into faith. Because the Holy Spirit is the administer of the kingdom of God. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring you to the place of faith where you can start believing what Jesus said is true. Jesus knows the only thing that you need to do to activate the kingdom of God is to start believing that who the king is, is who he says he is. If you can believe Jesus... And you know that you know that you know that what Jesus said is true. Then you will access the power that's in the kingdom. And the devil doesn't want you to do that. So he sends the spirit of unbelief to blind your eye. But thank God tonight, friend, he's given to you the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God. Once you employ him, is going to get in there and he is going to start dealing with that unbelief. It's like this. When I was a kid, I used to watch WWF wrestling before it got bad. This is when Hulk Hogan was on Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior. And I remember sometimes there would be one of the wrestlers and he would be getting his brains beat out. And his opponent would be beating him and knocking him down. This is how it was. This is how you are when unbelief is in the ring with you having its way. But God, And then I remember when I was watching wrestling, all of a sudden sometimes somebody unexpected would come running out of the locker room with a chair. He'd get into that ring and start beating up the opponent, and the referee's back would be turned. And then when the referee would turn it, because he'd be distracted by something, then the referee would turn around, and that guy would be gone. And all of a sudden, the games would have changed. Well, i got news for you. With unbelief standing at you, knocking at your door, beating you over the head, God has sent you the Holy Ghost. That is that agent that's going to come in the ring and assist you and beat that unbelief up for you and take authority over that unbelief so that you can overcome it and win the victory that's inside of Jesus. Unbelief can't have its way with you, friend, because you've been given the power of the Holy Ghost. And when that unbelief is defeated in your life, You'll step forward into a supernatural walk with God. Just like when I prayed for that blind lady and her eye opened up, unbelief had been dealt a death blow. And I got news for you tonight. God wants to take you into that. Don't let what you did tonight, don't let your mistake drive into you a stake of unbelief. Tonight, friend, he wants you to step into the fullness. And that's what God is going to do for you. I want to pray for you tonight, friend. Father, I break the power of the spirit of unbelief over every person listening tonight that is having difficulty getting in faith with you. I pray in the name of Jesus, the power of God come upon those people listening. Fill them with your fire. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your authority tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. May the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. And I thank you for touching each person tonight. We break the power of every dark spirit that would try to harass and that would try and torment. We break their power tonight. Father, I release your love. I release your guidance. I release your direction. I release revelation to them, God. Open up their eyes that they may see that, Father, you are working for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friend, I want to remind you that we will be back next week, 12:15, on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. God has something supernatural for you, and we want you to continue to listen in. 
as we will continue our series with the Holy Spirit. Again, you can visit us and learn more about our ministry, how to partner with us, how to keep up with our itinerary at chrispalmerministries.com or write us P.O. Box 403, Walt Lake, Michigan, 48390. God loves you, we love you, and we will see you next week, 1215 a.m. God bless you, friend.